come on, man. Patriots, good to be with you this Tuesday. I hope that you've had a good start to your week and maybe have a cup of coffee like I do and are enjoying your morning. Um, here in Wisconsin, it's already starting to cool down quite a bit and the long winter is ahead of us. It's going to be an interesting one with everything going on and um, looking forward to seeing how everything plays out. It's been It's been chaotic for the past few years, hasn't it? I mean, did you ever think that we would be doing what we're doing uh, and living through what we're living through right now? All the censorship, all the craziness going on um, to, the, to the point of the local or the most recent news of of uh, the anthem being replaced with the black anthem in sports and uh, that anthem being played in, in addition to the national anthem and stuff it just seems like we're getting more and more divided the more and more the so-called tolerant people uh, show their intolerance and uh, just it's hard to even recognize America anymore if uh, all you pay attention to is is those stories so we all know though that deep down I mean we have a lot of the majority of us are still believers in in America the Constitution our form of government and um, the way it's supposed to be that is so um, it's all good in that sense, but you have to uh, kind of surround yourself with people who who feel the same way you do and talk the way you do, or, or it's awful easy to get discouraged. So um, that's just one thing that I think about frequently in, in doing the show, you know, because we talk about a lot of things that are wrong and some things that are good, but um, it's easy to get, I think, frustrated and to find yourself in a, a little bit of a, a rut because what you're seeing. So with that, I'm going to go to the signal here. Today's show, so I have uh, uh, Chadwick Moore, the author of uh, Tucker, coming on, and uh, that's starting the next segment. But you know, the theme, basically, that I want to begin and end the show with is the difference between these two gentlemen here. So yesterday being 9-11, a somber day for those of us that still remember exactly where we were and what we were doing when we got word of what was happening or maybe we saw it on television in the news break um, news breaking in and I happened to see the second plane hit live and then of course the Pentagon uh, you know and uh, point 93 so we we all remember where we're at but uh, Biden decides that he's going to insult the families and this should be no surprise I mean this is the same guy who's responsible for 13 dead soldiers in Afghanistan uh, but he decides he's going to insult the families and uh, stop over in Alaska instead of being part of the 9-11 remembrance ceremony uh, now Trump on the other hand in reading this article you know one of the things that it talks about is that uh, 
Trump, when he was in New York, when this happened, he funded a, lar a large part of the initial cleanup because he wanted to try to rescue the people. If you remember, there was a lot more there was a lot more hope when it first happened and everybody was posting their family member that was missing, right? And the hope was that there were many people that were still alive under the rubble. So Trump, I'm just gonna read, read this. So despite being confronted with four indictments by members of the Democratic Party and a demanding campaign itinerary, Donald Trump managed to allocate time to provide a statement on the anniversary of the September 11th attacks. Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, actively participated in the rescue and recovery operations after the assaults. As per documented accounts, he financed the labor force responsible for excavating the debris in order to locate anyone who had managed to survive. As a result of his actions, a total of five firefighters were successfully rescued. So, you know, this is a kind of media that you just do not see because the left, the left of the fascist wing in our country, uh, they're not even a communist anymore. It's pure fascism what they want. Um, and we'll talk about that a little later, but it's, uh, it's, it's something that, of course, is going to get coverage, but so he's responsible for the rescue of five firefighters. And you think about it, he's also responsible for saving countless lives at the border because a strong border stops the cartels from profiting off of them and from trafficking people and from raping and murdering on the way up and from getting uh, 85,000 at the very least uh, children to be, go unaccounted for uh, without parents in our country. And um, it's just something that, you know, it, it's night and day. And they like to pretend that they're the the, the elite uh, mentally and socially and, you know, the culturally. And when it comes down to it, they're just fascist pigs. And that's, uh, that's the truth of it. So we have that story. Um, also, we have... More illegals caught at the Canadian border, the U.S.-Canadian border, than the entire previous decade. So while we're looking, and, and Eric Karen, yesterday's guest, made this point that you know it's not just the southern border; it's it's also our visa program. I'd add in there, but it's also our, our northern uh, border as well. And this story says illegal illegal immigrants aren't infiltrating only infiltrating the United States at the southern border. Chief Patrol Agent Robert Garcia of the United States Border Patrol's Swanton uh, sector indicates his agents have apprehended more than 6,100 persons in 11 months. The apprehensions in the Vermont, New York, and New Hampshire border sector are more than those in the last 10 years combined. Garcia shared photos of migrant groups traveling through the border region at night. Over 6,100 apprehensions from 76 different countries in just 11 months, surpassing the last 10 years combined. So, you know, the the, the key thing there too is you you look at the uh, number of different countries represented. I mean, we have people coming in the, from all areas, uh, from all areas all over the globe. People who, yes, want to come to the United States because of what the United States has to offer. There's no doubt about that, and I understand that, and don't blame them for wanting to come. 
But uh, I think everyone on this side understands that you have to do things in an orderly fashion. And, uh, you know, as, uh, as Ronald Boyd, who's the historian who comes on the show here, he says that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we haven't seen in, I don't know how many years, but the inefficiency is, it just, it's just right in your face. For, for example, when we had Ellis Island functioning, he says that it took three hours to process somebody, and that was before computers. That was before all the technology that's supposed to supposed to make our lives, um, you know, easier. And when it comes down to it on immigration, I just really strongly believe that we have the laws already in place, and everybody likes to say that immigration is our immigration system is broken. Uh, it's not broken. It's just not being complied with. And the laws that we have in place and had in place under Trump, uh, you know, really had a good hold on this. And uh, so Trump, I mentioned, you know, is responsible for saving lives and his policies save lives. When we have this chaos, we have, you know, 150,000 people dying from fentanyl alone. That's not to, to highlight the victims of trafficking, sex trafficking, slavery. It's, it doesn't highlight uh, the deaths that are caused on, on the way up and all the things that I mentioned previously. So it's, uh, it's something that is obvious. It's easy to see. And, um, you know, something we need to get a handle on rather quickly or we're going to lose our country. All right. So... I mentioned the the banner, the Star Spangled Banner, you know, so Megyn Kelly and Sage Steele team up to bury U.S. Open for ditching Star Spangled Banner. I mean, really, <laughs> you don't find, you want to have an anthem, a black-only anthem, that's great. But these events are for everybody in America, for all Americans, and we need to unify under our flag and when you unify as americans we don't need to go back to the jim crow days we don't need to go back to segregating one commercial that i've been seeing is is some uh, young lady who started a website for uh, black females only and she calls it a safe space and she talks about you know um how she's promoting her website for black black girls or young women which is fine you know but we go through this and we hear the schools putting this in our, in our minds, our kids' minds about having to have safe spaces and stuffed animals in high school and all this stuff. We're really, really raising a generation that had, you know, and have been that uh, really are going to have a hard time dealing with the way that the world really is. So, you know, this is just another example, another area where they want to destroy the identity of America and they want to destroy the American pride in a country that is the best country that ever existed on the planet and the system of individual liberty and justice that we are supposed to have would only serve to prove that. I will be right back with Chadrick Moore. After we watched our daughter Grace die on FaceTime, I uh, immediately felt that I needed to go to the hospital, even though I was still pretty sick. 
and I met Jessica and our pastor there. And um, while we were in the room, we Jessica and I let us spend a few moments just with Grace alone. And it was it was just a horrific um, sight to come upon. It was the fact that her daughter Grace was now gone. Um, the emotions that came over the top of our minds and just our physical bodies were just unbelief. We, uh, we took her BiPAP off because it was still on. This was hope and prayers that somehow she wasn't really gone. And as soon as we did that, the color of grace changed. And um, we had to accept that she was truly gone. person step foot in that room. How can you do that? How can you allow an innocent person, a child, she's only 19 years old, die in front of your eyes? You don't do that. If you're human, you don't do that. They knew they weren't going to convince us to put Grace on a ventilator. That means the money was going to dry up. They had to have the money. And when you follow the money trail all the way through, you see that a ventilator is about a $300,000 decision. That they had higher paying patients in the emergency room. Grace was worth more dead than alive. We don't just need food, we need to eat food with a high nutritional value. Who wants to just survive food shortages? Let's thrive in times of adversity and lack. Optimize your daily nutrition and ensure you and your family have our two-year shelf-stable kingdom fuel as a cornerstone of your emergency food supply. Don't sacrifice your health or your taste buds. Stock up on kingdom fuel now. Ignore the thought police and subscribe or follow the Patriot Review. It's your patriotic duty. All right, we are back. If you want to get your hands on some Kingdom Fuel, you can do that by going to Sherwood.tv slash TPR and get yourself, get your hands on some of that. And if you want to see the documentary Breaking the Oath, you can check that out at my website, redbloodedpatriots.com, or the website that I do my films under, which is americafirstproductions.com, the number one stproductions.com. All right, so joining me now is Chadwick Moore. And Chad, I can't see you. I don't know if you have your video uh, turned off. You want to flip that on? Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, oh, I'm, uh, I was told this was audio. Uh, I'm not on my video set up right now. I'm sorry about that. Oh, okay. Well, we can do that. Um, so yeah, so welcome to the show. We will just, uh, we'll just work with this. We work as <laughs> we work as it uh, is given, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Sorry about that. It was in my notes wrong, apparently. That's okay. Um, I've actually had that happen before. I'll have to get with, with Drew about that, but 
So welcome to the show. It's it's great having you here. I'm looking forward to talking to you about the book. And I know um, I'll just let you share with people you know, what your history is briefly. And you know, I know that uh, they've probably seen you if they're a Tucker fan, right? So. Uh, sure. Yeah. So I um uh I'm, I'm a journalist. I come from you know the print media world, uh, and um, I was in um, liberal magazines and newspapers for most of my career, and that was actually how I first uh, met Tucker. Was um, early in 2017, right after the inauguration. I I'd sort of gotten completely fed up with um I, i'd never really been vocal about my politics before believing that you know as a, as a journalist you shouldn't <laughs> but of course right. th those are different times um and early 2017 right um right after the inauguration of president trump i had sort of had enough watching all my colleagues and everyone around me being completely trump deranged and uh spreading lies and mis misinformation <laughs> about republicans and about trump that i i came out as a conservative and I, I penned a piece for the New York Post, uh, you know, stating what I believe, pretty innocent piece, I felt, um, just saying I believe in free speech and I think that the media is getting things wrong and might be slightly corrupt. Uh, and uh, that got the attention of Tucker and his team and they they had me on his show. It also got me fired from all my jobs, as you can imagine. Um, and that was my introduction to, to Tucker. And then I was a regular on his show um, uh, pretty much for the entire run of the show and even appearing uh, weirdly on the last episode on April 21st, which, of course, we didn't know would be the last episode. Right. And um, we started working on this book about Tucker Carlson. It's my second book uh, about a year and a half ago. Um, just, you know, putting out there the definitive biography of Tucker. And, um, you know, I really wanted to paint a, a 3D portrait of who this man is, who's so, you know, commonly... Um, uh, portrayed as as this two-dimensional figure either this one of comic book evil or um uh, reckless or a conspiracy theorist or a racist or anything else that they say uh and i really got to know tucker very well over the last year uh you know getting uh, working on this book and getting to know him and his family and his world and and uh, people seem to be really enjoying it so what's he like behind the scenes when he's off camera well he's pretty much the same person uh in many ways um, I would say he's even more kind of high energy and engaging off camera than he is on, which is usually not the case for, for on-air personalities. Uh, he's someone who is is certainly, um, you know, he's not super concerned with politics per se, at least at this point in his career. He's way more concerned with the bigger questions of uh, spirituality, family, morality, uh, beauty, good versus evil. Uh, and, uh, you know, he sees those as intrinsic to politics. But those are, you know, he's someone who can who can talk about anything, um, not just someone who can talk about politics all day long. And he's not really a point scorer for one team or the other. Uh, and, you know, that was, uh, you know, delight to, to discover and to get to know that side of him. You know, he's also, as you can imagine, hilarious uh, and and <laughs> someone who can talk about anything. And most of the time and during most of our discussions, we were talking about, you know, just sort of most random things you can imagine uh, and and uh he's you know loves communicating loves being around people uh and certainly loves his job and what he does now you you know i have the uh i have the amazon uh link up to your book now and you had a little bit of a, a difficult uh i would say uh op opening as far as the the book goes and you had some attacks that uh involved the, the supposed numbers of sales and all that what happened exactly with that how explain that yeah this was quite amazing so the book went on pre-sale in late may 
and and then was released August 1st. Uh, so, you know, one of the reasons why, why people do pre-sales is that's a period where people can order the book uh, and then all those books ship on the release date, which is August 1st. So you the, the reason why you do that is you, you have a leeway to get a bunch of orders in. And the hope is that during that that first week, all of those uh, pre-sale orders count as the first week sales because it doesn't count as a sale until the book ships. And you do that because it makes your best chance to get on the, the best sellers list. And that's you know not just mm -hmm. a, a vanity metric. That's something that uh, retailers look at when they decide what books they want to order, et cetera, and gauges you know, the popularity of a book. Uh, sure, so smart marketing is what it is. Yeah, yeah, uh, and um, uh, so it's very, very common for for publishers to do that. Uh, so what we saw first week sales, um, they were very low, and we didn't get on the bestseller list, at least on the New York Times. And and we were looking at the numbers because we know exactly how many books Amazon had um, on August first when the book was officially for sale. Hours after it went on sale, Amazon sold out. You couldn't buy it for a couple days. Uh, they ordered more books. A week later, they were sold out of those. So we know exactly how many books Amazon had. And when we're looking at the numbers, it looks like Amazon reported zero sales for that first week. Uh, so what that had the um, intent of doing was getting negative headlines, of course, in liberal media. And then you had people at Fox News who were basically, I, I assume, knowing how these companies work and reading the reports that, they, that they're sending, basically spoon-feeding articles to lefty publications like The Guardian uh, with the intent mm -hmm. of saying Tucker Carlson isn't popular without us. Nobody cares about him anymore. Look, his biography flopped. Of course, it didn't flop. We know exactly how many copies were sold uh, and it's doing great. Um, so that was the first week sales. That number seemed to have corrected itself magically the second week, but that didn't matter. The negative headlines were out there. We've been on the New York Times bestseller list for three weeks now. Should have been five, but they ignored us the first two weeks. Uh, so really nasty stuff, but you know that's uh, conservative publishers report problems like this with Amazon all the time. It wasn't even just not reporting the sales. I, we've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of customers tell us that Amazon was automatically canceling their pre-order sales, that they were getting notifications that if they still wanted a book, tell me how, how many times this has happened when you've ordered something from Amazon. If they still wanted a book, they needed to go onto the website, not on their app and not on, the, on their phone, but log in on a desktop and actively confirm they still wanted this book or it was gonna be canceled. Uh, we also had um, about 40% of our customer polls showed that pre-order customers weren't getting their books until weeks later. Uh, but if you order the book, um, not pre-order after the book was out, then you got your book in a couple days. Uh, that again would be to, to slow walk the sales and slow walk the reporting numbers. Uh, so if Amazon was indeed doing all that, we have lawyers looking into it and my publisher, All Good Seasons Press, and uh, they're looking if they find uh, something was up to file a complaint with the FTC. Also talking to members of Congress who are on the Energy and Commerce Department to let them know what's going on. And we'd like to get other conservative authors involved because, you know, people report this stuff all the time that Amazon messes with their book sales. Well, it's, uh, the censorship is just disgusting. And, you know... It, so I'm taking it, I don't know, were you political before you basically came out and said that you're conservative or were you more liberal? Is that? Well, I was, you know, I think I'm, I would, I'm always from the, I've been always from the leave me the heck alone party, you know, and right, for right. a long time, you know, I live in New York City. I've been around liberals my whole life, you know, went to a liberal arts school 
And I always voted Democrat, but I didn't, but I wasn't paying close enough attention. You know, I voted Democrat for the same stupid reasons that all young, stupid people vote Democrat, which is, you know, I believe in freedom and fairness. And, right. you know, I, I believe in equality. That sounds nice. I'm not a racist. Uh, and yeah, right. uh, I think with a lot of people, it was when Trump came on the scene, it was when you woke up and, and started really paying attention. I never really... At the time, I never really thought of the end game of the left. I was just listening to the stupid rhetoric and 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 you know, product of my environment, really. Um, but you know, when, well, when I don't think feel of, bad. You know, it's as as Reagan said, if you're in your twenties and you don't vote Democrat, you don't have a heart. If you're in your forties and you don't vote Republican, you don't have a brain. <laughs> right. I think that's exactly right for sure. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, hopefully, hopefully we're seeing more of that. So your book, yeah, I think we will actually. I think that more people, more of the young, uh, younger generations are returning to faith as well, which is something that I think is good. Um, so you got some great reviews here. I, you know, I went through the the Amazon site. I have it up here. You got uh, RFK Jr., Tulsa Gabbard. You got Naomi Wolf. You got Steve Bannon. So you have a a really good blend, right, from from all sides in there, and. Uh, you know, so I, I really encourage people to take a look at it. And, you know, Amazon, it just amazes me how how these corporations have really, you know, we've, we've gone, it's, we've gone into this fascistic state and it's, it's the marriage of corporate corporations and government that, um, that um, uh, Mussolini talked about, right? He's, he said that, uh, you know, it shouldn't be called capital, or uh should be called fascism. It should be called corporatism. And so here we are, and people are being victimized left and right, and, and you know, discriminated against. And um, it's just something that I, I honestly never thought I'd see in our country. And it's it's been shocking, I think, for most people to see what's going on now. Amazon will be happy to publish a book and not get in the way if it's you know. Um, Exposing the virtues of teaching our eight-year-olds how to have sex with other boys—that's great. But um, when you put a when you put a book out there that's you know about somebody who is a libertarian and has views that aren't the same as theirs, then they silence you. I mean, it's just kind of sick, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And I think one of the reasons why Tucker is such a target, and and, and, and you know, I don't think I'm the target. Nobody cares about me and or, or my publisher. I think it it, it is. The fact that it's a book that humanizes Tucker Carlson, who's public enemy number one, not only on the on the left, but I think especially on the corporate establishment right. I mean, it's the right that canceled him, not the left. And uh, it, it's, it, it, you know, he's the target of that. People want to try to diminish his popularity and to make it look like he no longer has a following without corporate media, like he's nothing without corporate media. I think that's the yeah, point right. of, of what that is. Fine, right? Yeah, and 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 I think and and I'm glad you brought up corporatism and, and that and and its relations to fascism, which is one and the same. And and I think that's one of the reasons why he is so hated, especially by the left, is that he is. I mean, that I think is a defining feature of his appeal is his anti-corporatist stance, and and he was doing it in the most corporate of settings, and he really held a mirror up. If you forget why the establishment right hates him, he held a mirror up to the left of what they pretend to be what they maybe used to be or at least pretended to be and what they still hope people think they are today which of course they are not which is anti-corporate you know uh anti-war uh pro-free speech these are the things that when i grew up that's what the left was supposed to be about of course they are the opposite right. of those things today and um tucker more than anyone shows that he holds a mirror up to that because he is 
truly all of those things. He's not bluffing. And it drives them crazy to be reminded of that. Right. Hey, hang on just uh, about three minutes. I got to do a commercial break and be right back if you have some time. Sure. All right. Uh, we'll be right back then. Hang on. Patriots, it's me, Wayne Alaroot, otherwise known as War. I have a very special announcement for all of you. My hit show, Wayne Alaroot, Raw and Unfiltered, is coming to the brand new station that's taking over the nation, Blessed News Network. God has opened a door in my life to be part of this amazing new Christian conservative network, live every night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific, on our channel on Roku TV, Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, and streaming live on the Blessed News iPhone and Android apps. Tune in to watch me drive home the truth and dismantle the fake news narrative with big name nightly guests and exclusive interviews with all the heavy hitters you know and love. Become part of history as we make America godly again and launch the first faith-centered conservative broadcasting network where Jesus Christ is commander in chief of all of our stories and where truth and integrity really matter. Join me Monday through Friday on any of our platforms or on the Blessed News website blessed.news where you can stream all the shows for free or you can sign up for blessed plus for even more access to raw and unfiltered with me wayne allen root the hardest working man in show business thank you and god bless america steel news will be joining the blessed news network 11 p.m weeknights i'm ann vandersteel and i'm very excited to be a part of the programming put together by jake lang doesn't matter if he's behind bars, he's a January 6th political hero, as far as I'm concerned. And Steel News will be reporting the truth of everything happening, not only in the swamp, but around the world to help you put into context what's really going on so you can make the best decisions for you and your family. Steel News, 11 p.m. on the Blessed News Network. All right, we're back with Chadwick Moore, who's the author of the book, Tucker and has appeared with Tucker, or did appear with Tucker on many occasions on uh, Fox News when he was still there. Uh, so I was going through, uh, Chadwick, on your reviews here. Your book gets a 4.7, which is pretty darn good. Yeah, people, I mean, people seem to, to you know, really enjoy it, which is great to hear. I, mean, I guess when you're, you know, when you're writing a, the biography of Tucker Carlson, it's um, you feel a lot of pressure because he he means so much to so many people, you know, both in the positive and the negative, and and uh, you really hope that you do him and his his life story justice. Uh, and uh, people are are really responding positively to the book, and they're really enjoying it, and you know, saying they can't put it down, which is 
a great thing to hear. You know, people are saying I'm, I, I'm slow reading the ending because I don't want it to end. And, and I, as an author, that's, you know, really the nicest compliment you can hear. That's awesome. Were there, were there things within the book that you kind of uh, were taken aback by or some discoveries about uh, Tucker that uh, were surprising to you? Well, when I was doing more research into, you know, certain issues, especially COVID, I, I guess at the time I didn't realize when at the beginning, the early days of COVID, I didn't sort of realize um, uh, how Tucker had initially approached it. And I think it was probably um, his probably his greatest public mistake, which he has a, he has sort of acknowledged was sounding the alarms very early on COVID. Uh, and he was saying he was sort of at first repeating uh, the WHO's numbers about death rates, et cetera. This is very, very early on, like March 2020. Um, and he even, uh, which I hadn't realized at the time, had, had scheduled a secret meeting with President Trump to get him um, to pay more attention to this. Uh, and, and, you know, I was asking COVID about, uh, I was asking uh, Tucker about this, and, you know, he was saying he was basically getting bad information from people in China and bad information from people in the federal government about how deadly um, COVID actually was. But of course, at the time, none of us knew really anything, uh, and he was he was focused more on the fact that neither the conservative or liberal media was paying attention to it at the time. Uh, and he's you know since said that you know we've repeated things on the show that turned out not to be true. Uh, when when the vax came out is when he really uh, you know he got that sort of right from the beginning because he had somebody personally knew died from the vaccine really early on. Uh, so he was prepared for that to be skeptical of that. But, um, you know, I hadn't sort of realized at the time that, that he he was one of the first people to sound the alarm about COVID in mainstream media. So what is it about him that you think uh, people either love or hate? Well, I think it starts with his confidence. Um, people don't like to be confronted with very confident people. It, it makes them uncomfortable, especially if they disagree with what that person's saying. I think that is what drives people crazy about him i think with with as i said earlier there's another component of him holding a mirror up to the left of what they used to be or what they pretend to be but also holding a mirror up to the right uh and you know the, the left hated him but the right feared him and as we said earlier the you know it was the right that took him off the air because they didn't like what he was saying they they wanted those uh opinions out of the official mainstream discourse, the official being it's on cable, it's in you know corporate media. Uh, I think that that um, that has a lot to do with it. Um, I think that that you know another reason, I think more so uh, why why establishment Republicans don't like him, is he does view our current political paradigm as one of good versus evil, and mm -hmm. he you know he's not someone who has direct theological language he's he he was raised episcopalian but um he's not you know well versed in the bible uh but he feels it and i think that that language that theological language that he uses um it really makes a lot of conservatives and probably the murdochs and people at fox news um very uncomfortable right so you know what i like about him is is he just is one of those people that always delivers his message very uh, in a way that's very easily understood and with a lot of common sense. And I think when you look at today's issues and what's happening, I have to sit there and and scratch my head and say, where the hell's everybody's common sense? I mean, some of these issues are really straightforward and simple to me. You know, I don't. <laughs> Maybe you can help me out with that. Where where's where's the common sense in this country anymore? Uh, I <laughs> it's a great question, and I think that the only way to explain where it's gone is that there's some sort of 
deep sickness in this country. It's it's some sort of pathology that's infecting a lot of people's minds. And uh, because even with people on the left, they know that none of their very few of their arguments make sense as soon as you lay it out to them, which is why they react so emotionally and violently when you do call them out for the most basic common sense explanations for why they what they believe is wrong or nonsensical. Um, I, you know, there's probably many reasons leading up to that. Uh, and, um, uh, you know, it's a lot of it is probably just <laughs> younger generations being sort of uh, fat and stupid and lazy and never having to work for anything. And so they lock, lock, lock onto these identities that give them meaning and purpose uh, and make, you know, they can think that they're some sort of freedom fighter and they're doing something very beneficial for the world. But really, they're all just corporate pawns of the regime and the Uniparty. Right. All right. So what is next for Tucker? Is he is he happy where he's at doing the Twitter show or is he looking at possibly doing something different, if you know? Well, they're raising money to start their own media company. And, and Tucker's executive producer, Justin Wells, has told me that people are going to see a lot more Tucker when that happens, a lot more than they ever saw on Fox News. Um, Tucker has had you know many substantial offers to join other places but he wants to be his own boss he doesn't want to work for anyone anymore <clears throat> the problem is is that he's still an employee of fox news uh, he's still under contract right. he's still getting a paycheck every week fox doesn't want to let him go and his contract and that being they want him to be quiet so right. they're happy to pay him a lot of money to be quiet until his contract runs out which is uh after the next presidential election one month after december 2024 and uh he is uh, the reason why he's doing Twitter, from what I understand, I haven't I haven't seen his contracts, but from what I understand is that Fox failed to include Twitter in the non-competes, which is why he's able to be there. But Fox is still, uh, uh, for a while, they were sending him cease and desist letters. They were threatening him and Justin. Uh, and um, actually, Justin even said to me that, uh, you know, it would be wise if Fox were to back off. They don't want to start this war. <laughs> I don't think that they, I think that, you know, Tucker and Justin are going to leave them alone. They haven't said anything bad about them. Just let us do our thing. Uh, and, you know, it'll be nice for you. But if you come after us, keep coming after us, it's going to be very ugly for Fox. That's what, uh, that's what t some of Tucker's team told me. Uh, so um, uh, that's where we're at right now. And they're, they're trying to get out of that contract, but uh, it, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be a, an uphill legal battle for them. All right. So what is next for you? Well, I'm uh, Jones going to get started on another book. We're just kind of going through some ideas now. And, um, you know, we're still um, very much enjoying this book. We're going to have a second edition coming out soon with a little bit of added material. And, uh, yeah, that's that's sort of where right now. We're still um, out promoting this book and, and uh, getting it in the hands of people. Well, that's awesome. I uh, uh, want to give you an opportunity to to let people know where you can be found, what your social, uh, what your social media uh, details are, if you wouldn't mind. Oh, sure. Um, yeah, thank you. Um, I'm I'm mostly active on uh, X, Twitter, Twitter X. Uh, it's um, at Chadwick underscore more, and uh, you can find out information about the book at tuckerthebook.com uh, on that website you can find links to all the major retailers you can buy it or you can also buy it direct from the publisher there if um if that's your if that's your thing uh and uh, uh also my own website chapwickmore.com I'm, I'm also a contributing editor at the spectator and and i uh, uh have a bunch of columns there up oh you're a busy guy <laughs> <laughs> it keeps me out of trouble 
<laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that. You're you're a target. You know it, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. I've been, I've been canceled a few times, so you you get used to it. Yeah. Well, stay safe out there. Look look forward to seeing what's coming from you. God bless you. Thank you for being on the show. And I oh, uh, would love to have you love to have you back. Thank you so much, and God bless, and would love to join you again. All right. Thank you so much. Hey, Patriots, it's Jeff Wagner. Let's face it, it's getting harder and harder to make ends meet. It's only going to get worse. This inflation is going to continue. As a matter of fact, our dollar is in jeopardy of even existing with the crazies that want to go to the digital currency to control us all. You can go to KirkElliottPhD.com slash The Patriot Review, get all kinds of free, great information, and invest in gold and silver for your future. Our world is full of electromagnetic fields that, even though we can't see them, are affecting our bodies, our sleep, and even our ability to think clearly. The advent of 5G is only making this worse. There is an answer. Visit Fix the World by clicking the link in the Patreon Review show description below to view natural products that can actually protect you from EMF and 5G and even improve your sleep. Skeptical? Get the free Dangers of EMF Radiation ebook free by clicking on its direct link also in the show description. Here's a nutritional hack anyone can master. Replace a meal a day with our kingdom feel. Or if you're a mosh in the gym, add a shake to your daily meal plan. Our unique meal shakes are balanced, low glycemic, rich in fiber, 20 grams of clean protein, essential vitamins and minerals, healthy fat, and organic fruits and vegetables. Kingdom Fuel is vegan with a complete amino acid profile. Bottom line, it's a simple start to a transformed life. No gimmicks, just results. Start today. Hey Patriots, you can save up to 66% at MyPillow.com when you use the code TPR. That stands for The Patriot Review. That's TPR or call 800-519-9927. That's 800-519-9927. I use these products myself. I can tell you they are the best quality bar none. So go ahead, use the code TPR and get up to 66% off right now. Coming to you from the land of common sense and American pride. Not a unicorn or rainbow in sight. Welcome back to the Patriot Review with Jeff Wagner. All right, we are back, and I have with me the TPR historian and uh, happy haircut gentleman, <laughs> Ron Boyd. i got to change the name on the screen here. I'll do that while you're talking. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. Yeah, I decided yeah. to get a haircut. Um, yeah. Trying to get long, <laughs> so... You're... You really got it cut there. <laughs> um, pretty low maintenance, so you know. <laughs> yeah, that's makes the best it easy. part about it, right? Yeah, it makes it easy to wash it. You know, couple yeah. couple yeah. of drops of shampoo, and that's it. <laughs> Nothing <laughs> wrong with that. Yeah. I'm sorry, you can hear me typing away here. I'm just changing <laughs> your changing the name on the bottom there. I got to do everything myself. You know how this goes. <laughs> 
Uh, you need to hire a, uh, a production crew yeah. <laughs> or a producer of some sort. Right. But of course, you know, you know how it is. <laughs> yeah. So there's all kinds of uh, all kinds of things we could talk about in the news. And you and I were talking, I don't know what it was, earlier in the week or last week maybe. Yeah. Um, about uh, what's on your mind. So what's on your mind? Well, you know, I, I thought since yesterday was, what was it, the I think the 22nd anniversary 22nd. of 9-11. I thought maybe I'd talk a little bit about that uh, and essentially how the Biden administration pretty much screwed the legacy of that. Uh, you know, considering that we withdrawn, we withdrawn from Afghanistan uh, in, I forgot what, uh, it was a couple of years ago at least, I think, if I remember correctly. It was right after he took uh, took office, yeah. I think. Right. So, you know, he well, managed to, to mess that up. Uh, he sure did, and committed treason in doing so. Yes. And basically, what I wanted to talk about was, you know, the fact that it was a small group that did this. It was a small cell that infiltrated the United States. And Al-Qaeda kind of made it difficult for us to counter terrorism in a way. Because before, before there was Al-Qaeda, most terrorist groups were actually fairly good size. You know, for example, the Tupamaros of, of Uruguay back in the 1970s. They ranged, I think, around 6,000 members. Wow. And the fact that it was so big, it made it easy for the police to actually infiltrate the organization and kind of betray within. And that makes sense. Yeah, and it made it easy for them to do that. And the thing is with the Tupamaros, what they wanted to do, they wanted to destroy the one liberal democracy that was in Latin America. It had a proud tradition of being a liberal dem democratic nation, and they wanted to destroy it. That what they wanted to do is they wanted the government to actually uh, do a violent backlash, which they did, but it wasn't to what they expected. In fact, the military actually took over. They did a coup, and they took over the government, and they did a, a backlash, and it was, uh, I don't know if I want to say it was so violent, but what they did is they were, they were very effective, and they crushed the, the Tupamaros, and the revolution that they thought they would have because would, they thought the, the people would be so upset over the backlash that the government did, uh, conducted, it didn't happen. In fact, the people actually supported the government. And wow. so it, it ended the Tupamaros. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, so, a miscalculation. So yesterday, you know, Biden, he decided not to really be part of the memorial mm -hmm. right he stopped mm -hmm. in alaska instead meanwhile uh when i opened the show i had the uh you know the newspaper article uh or the online article showing my age uh <laughs> that um you know trump had the time to come out and make a statement and mm -hmm. and took the time to do so and you know here's biden who just can't take the time yeah exactly and, uh, you know, it reminds me, it really is a reflection of who these people really are on the mm -hmm. left these days, the far left, the fascist left. Mm -hmm. um, so yesterday I had Eric Karen on. He's a former uh, intelligence officer, you know, and 
he was talking about his time in Africa. He just got back from Africa. And uh, he was showing photos of, of Christian children that were slaughtered, right? Mm. Murdered, hacked to death with machetes, mm-hmm. like 40 of them. And, uh, and uh, you know, here we are in America. The FBI is putting plants inside of Christian churches. And mm-hmm. if you say anything about Islam, you're an Islamophobe and you're attacked and everything else. So... So you mentioned Afghanistan and the pullout and everything. You know, mm-hmm. um, what are your thoughts on on just Afghanistan in general and the fact that we were there for 20 years uh, versus what we're doing today and allowing the deaths of 150,000 ish people a year with fentanyl? I mean, what's well? What's your thought on that? You know, when we actually went in back in 2001, I actually supported it. I supported going in there, kicking the Taliban out, and I kind of supported the war in Iraq, which I now think was a mistake. But Afghanistan, I supported, and we were there for 20 years, and yet, did we accomplish anything while we were there? We really didn't. All we did was we prolonged in the Neville. I mean, you had Biden saying, sitting there saying, oh, we're not going to have Hanoi. We're not going to have a repeat of Hanoi back in 1975. Well, we did. In fact, it was worse. It was actually worse. Uh, we we withdrawn. We left 80-some billion dollars worth of equipment for the Taliban to take. and they That's the treason they used, part. Yeah, and yeah. they used it, and chances are, there are weapon systems there that the Russians and the Chinese got their hands on, like the Apache helicopters or, or whatever other uh, equipment that we had there. And well, Joe's on the payroll, you know. In my opinion, all the Chinese have to do is ask. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, it, and it seems like it's given to them. And then the fact yeah. that we have our border so wide open, you you had the mayor of New York sitting there complaining about getting, what was it, 10,000 uh, illegal aliens a month? And I'm thinking, really? You're complaining well, about that compared to what Arizona and Texas get? Well, not only not only that, but, I mean, it's a sanctuary state, right? Yeah, exactly. Sanctuary city. Sanctuary uh, city. You know, it's like, uh, well, you asked for it, right? Mm-hmm. It's a typical, I hate to say it, well, I don't hate to say this because it's true, it's a typical... <laughs> Uh, double standard is a typical uh, uh, hypocritical viewpoint of the left is oh we want to do this and that for everybody and everybody can come here and unless it affects you mm-hmm. then then all of a yep. sudden it's not such a good idea they don't want to tear their fences down like Pelosi mm-hmm. right and then yeah. they don't want to welcome into their homes how about we remove your doors and you just let these people in and out yeah Whoever exactly come in and out yeah. right well, you know it's the same it's the same thing. If yes. you think about it, you know, it's like, okay, mm-hmm. you want, uh, you don't mind them being in Texas. Well, how about you actually, uh, you know, taking the door off your hinges and allow people to waltz in there every no- every now and then, right. pick up right. whatever, the, whatever they want. You know, it's like, oh, this Ming vase looks nice, you know, <laughs> you know, and take it. Right. Uh, but it's just so much hypocrisy and all it is is virtual signaling and i keep saying yes. virtual signaling is not virtuous 
having virtues. That's what's virtuous. You know, right. Yeah. Basic, and like I, I said before, Biden's a part-time president. You can see it. You know, he only works four days out, uh, four hours out of the week, uh, out of the day. You know, yeah. if he works at all, really, if you think about it. Right. But he works four hours a day. He doesn't work on the weekends. It's like, well, why are you there then? The president. So yesterday, well, you know, exactly. So so yesterday we were talking about, you know, the, the I just read a story that the. Uh, the uh, northern border now, not not the not the southern border, but the northern border. Uh, the numbers are like the last ten years. Yeah, so let me read this to you. Um, so the apprehension in Vermont, New York, and New Hampshire border sector are more than those in the last ten years combined. <laughs> So that's the northern border. And then we started talking about, you know, you, you have to think about our visa. Remember the the pressure cooker bombers in Boston, right? I mean, mm -hmm. they got in because of the, the crappy compliance to our visa requirements, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, so we got that. We got both borders. Uh, who knows what's going on in the seaports, you know? I yeah, don't know. exactly. But, no. but uh, I, it's not good. I mean, do you do you uh, agree with me that we will see uh, something happen that's much worse than 9/11? I'm expecting it, really. And what I'm thinking, you know, it, right now, it, since our border is so porous, what's to stop someone bringing in a nuke? You know, exactly. So, and you know, it, you you can see like you know in uh, Iran. You know, they might actually develop it. And, of course. of course, you know, the guy in charge, he's not going to turn it to Muhammad and say, oh, Muhammad, you know, I got this nuke, but I don't have any launchers to launch it against the great Satan. What shall we do? Well, obviously, you put it on a tugboat and tow it into New York Harbor, or you have it smuggled in through the southern border and detonated in Kansas City. You know, right. and really tell you the truth, if you really want to be devastating, I mean, yeah, you could take out New York, but if you really want to be devastating, you 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 detonate it in the in the middle of America, around the yeah, farms, right. because right. just think of the great the great swath of farmland that will be con uh, contaminated. You can't grow right. anything on there, so our right. farming system would collapse and we'll lose our food. Right. Yeah, without a doubt, and and you know, it's there are so many possibilities. I mean, if they brought a a suitcase full of rice in and let that let that loose i mean we'd have mm -hmm. literally millions of people dead oh yeah uh, you know so so what is it about the left that makes it acceptable for them to to take to risk the people's lives the very people that they're supposed to defend and defend you know defending the constitution and supporting the rights of 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 all of us out here, um, what do you think the motivation is for just looking the other way? I seriously think they hate America. They hate what we stand for. You know, they they want to do so much terrible things to people, and really, our freedoms is what's holding them back, especially the Second Amendment. You know, 
Yeah. That's what's holding them back. If they could get rid of the Second Amendment, which I know Governor Newsom in California wants to do, he wants to uh, pass a new amendment that would limit our Second Amendment rights. And it's like, right. who are you? You, well, have you got the governor of uh, New Mexico coming out last Friday and saying, we're going to suspend your rights to carry weapons for 30 days because it's a health emergency. Yeah. And, uh, Which is of course, that's the... That's the whole New World Order uh, treaty or whatever that uh, Biden signed on to, saying that you know the um, they could declare health emergencies and uh, basically giving away our sovereignty, right? Yeah. Uh, so, well, what do you see back on the terrorist thing? What do you uh, what do you think is the correct policy going forward? Well, well, when Reagan was was president, we had what we. We probably still do, but I don't know if, if it was the extent that it was under Reagan and probably Clinton. Uh, we had what was called the three three pillars of U.S. counterterrorism policy, which was we would not negotiate with terrorists. We would apply pressure to countries that support terrorism and would use the rule of law to prosecute terrorists. And we should continue that. And every once in a while, uh, and this is what Reagan did for us, was that he gave us a blueprint on how to respond to terrorists. For example, we bombed uh, Libya in 1986. And mm -hmm. so basically what we need to do is when we're sure that there's a country that's actually behind a terrorist attack, we need to respond. And if, if necessary, we should use force uh, against that country, right? That, you know. All right. Well, we're the mess. We are, we are already out of time. Next time I'll have you come on the second block and take more time. But yeah. Um, <laughs> all right. So I'm gonna say goodbye, and I'm gonna tell everybody out there, thank you so much for watching the show. Um, if you want to mute yourself, I got to show the commercials, and then, um, and then I'll be back to talk with you off off show here. Okay. All right. Hang on.